All right, can we, can we just begin by bowing our hearts before the Lord and asking the Lord to touch our, our lives? Father, we give you all of our heart. We give you all of our head. We give you all of our soul and our bodies. We give all of ourselves to you. Lord, we give you permission to replace our thoughts with your thoughts. We give you permission, Lord, to overwhelm our emotions and make our emotions follow yours. King, we give you permission to inhabit our bodies today and fill us, heal us, touch us, strengthen us. And Lord, we ask that you would help us not only to hear, but um, come on board with your heart for discipleship and leadership. God, that you would give us your blueprint and your game plan and, and your anointing to recruit disciples and to develop leaders. We thank you for that, Jesus. And we bless your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, you are in the class Recruiting Disciples and Leaders. Um, our goal for this session is to walk away uh, with easy, reproducible, effective strategies for recruiting, motivating, empowering disciples and leaders. Hopefully, um, <laughs> we'll live up to that today. Um, my name is Brent Heishman, um, I'm teaching this class, and I'm currently pastoring uh, at Center Point Church in Marion, Ohio. I've been there just a little bit over a year, and um, I am excited about what God's doing in Ohio. I'm excited about what God's doing in Marion. I'm excited what God's doing um, because he really has a heart for our state. Um, he, has a, he has a heart for everyone, but I just can sense that maybe we're finally getting on board with that, understanding that um, he does have a heart for us. And um, so, so I just bless you. I bless you. Uh, I, I want to take the first couple minutes and, and kind of establish what I would say is a, a really good principle foundation. And I, I really think that um, God's asking us maybe – Many of you are already down the road with this and are and walking uh, at, at, a, at a quicker pace than maybe some others are. But I do believe that God wants to restore um, the, the practice of disciple making and the result of that multiplication for the sake of the kingdom um, to us. Um, and that's so critical because God really does love us. God loves people. Um, God's for people. And he wants his bride to spend enough time with people so that they can become like Jesus. And um, as, as I walked through a, a recent transition, like I said, it was only at a church, uh, th this church in Centerpoint in Marion for the last year. So I walked through that transition um, I know that um, I felt a little bit behind the eight ball in trying to set um, Ohio for Jesus goals for the church. Um, here I am coming in. I'm the new guy on the block. And um, how many disciples are we going to make in the next 10 years? How many leaders are we going to raise up in the next 10 years? How many churches are we going to plant? What are we going to do for missions? And I was like, whoo. Um, so I had some ideas, but I, I was also um, asking the Lord to, to Hold me back a little bit so that um, it could marinate and I could really hear from him and understand what um, what was going on in in the church that he's blessed me with and I went from no faith to huge faith to no faith to huge faith <laughs> setting numbers and and we settled we, we settled on um, in the next 10 years a thousand disciples and I and I felt like Wow, that is, that's great faith. That's, um, and I was afraid to present it. Honestly, I would kind of roll it out a little bit with a leadership team and then, and then you know, listen to what they said and what they thought. And, and it, I, I was nervous about saying to the church, we're going to make 1,000 disciples in the next 10 years um, because th that seemed great to me. So I would, I would take those numbers back, and they varied up and down. I would just take them back before the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord, would you? Would you speak to my heart about this? Is, is this too much? Is it, what, what do you say? And this is what he told me. He said, he said Brent, 
A thousand disciples isn't really faith. It's just a little bit of obedience. And that's when he began to really show me that if I was the only person in my church, if it was just me starting in 2020, and by the end of 2020, I could find one other person that I would have become a disciple maker and I would make a disciple maker by year's end, we would be at two, okay? And then the next year we would be at four. And the next year we would be at eight. And the next year we would be at 16. And the next year we would be at 2005, we'd be at 32. And you play that forward, it ends up being over a thousand disciples if I'm just obedient in making a disciple maker who will make a disciple maker. And so a thousand is still a big number. Um, it, it's, still, it's still a huge number. Um, but I recognize that what God's calling us to is to make some adjustments in the way we, we pray, the way we do church, the way we do life. Um, and if we'll just be a little bit obedient, we can really be a huge blessing to the state of Ohio. Um, just, just if a handful um, would, would get a hold of that. So there's a lot of things we could talk about when it comes to disciple making. And um, my, my goal is that the key word this, this, this morning is recruiting. Um, I think sometimes one of the most difficult things to do is recruit people, recruit volunteers, recruit leaders, recruit disciples. And those who are really good at it, when I ask them, how do you do it? They say, you just do it. <laughs> what are you asking me that for? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. What do you mean? Doesn't everybody recruit well? I'm like, no. How do you do it? And most people, most people don't know how they if, they, if you do something well, you just do it well, and you've done it so long, you've done it so often, and maybe it's just your natural thing, and you can't really, it's difficult sometimes to tell somebody else how you do what you do, and you, you say things like, well, just do it. And people are going, ain't working for me. And what, I've, what I have found in leadership development and, and discipleship, I have found that one of the most challenging things is recruiting people and helping people learn how to recruit. And there's a lot of reasons that that's a difficult thing. I wish you, I could just give you an outline and say, hey, if you do this, it'll work. Um, but there's a lot of stuff involved in recruiting somebody. How many of you like people to look at you like you're crazy and say no to you? Well, that's what happens sometimes when you recruit people, right? Um, there, so there, there, there are, there, there's emotional things. Some of us are introverts. Some of us um, aren't naturally salespeople by nature. And, and, but I hope, I hope I can simplify, demystify this a little bit and maybe show you, give you some, some practical things, some basic principles that will help you. And I really think the, the one thing that I discovered as I was, really pouring over this material for the last several years, um, is that I've, un I've, I've come to wed myself to the urgency and the heartbeat of God. Sometimes when we're recruiting people to volunteer for something, or in this case specifically being a disciple, we don't spend enough time to listen to the Father's heart as to why they need to become a disciple, why they need to become a leader, why they need to become a children's worker. We need you to work with our children because nobody else wants to and parents need some time alone on Sunday morning. That won't work. That doesn't work well. But what is God's heart for them? What is the urgency? Of the spirit because this is a lot about motivation and discipleship has got to be more than just an entry-level volunteer it's got to be somebody that that gets it owns it and runs with it because the goal of discipleship is that person becomes a disciple maker and so we want to we want to infect those disciples we want to infect those leaders because I believe that a leader a, a, 
a godly leader will develop leaders. A godly leader will, will reproduce leaders. A godly disciple maker will reproduce disciples. A, a godly pastor will reproduce pastors. A godly children's worker will reproduce children's workers. Um, but sometimes we, we fail to set the urgency and, and then keep the urgency in front of us in our hearts. Um, and so I, I think, I think it's, it's critical that we spend enough time to make sure that we have an urgency from God for discipleship. We have an urgency from God to raise up leaders. What, what, what about you? I've told folks, and, and everybody has giftings and things, and everybody has um, you know, their passions. Mine happens to be discipleship, so it's a little bit more natural for me and um, but it's difficult it's difficult to to pass on an urgency you don't have and so sometimes some of us are looking for someone else outside of us to get that urgency so I'm looking for that disciple maker in my church I, I would like I would like to say that there's going to be a lot of people in your church that are going to be great disciple makers um, but but all of us have to develop that urgency. All of us have to, we all have to come to that place where we see the, the, the biblical mandate and the heartbeat of, of God for that. And more than anything else, discipleship is about helping a person become the best Jesus they can be. And so I think starting there that the earth deserves more representation of Jesus the church deserves more people like Jesus um, God deserves um, more people like his son um, that that begins that process of setting that urgency in place in my heart um, and so we'll talk a little bit more about urgency but I wanted to I wanted to lay that out to you I'll, we'll, we'll take some time to to really show you what urgency looks like and in, in, in hear it but um, I, I think in, in a, as we start identifying, trying to decide who, who are we looking for in our church that could possibly be a disciple? Who are we looking for that's not in our church that could possibly be a disciple? I think we have to, and I know this sounds too simple, but we, we have to start, we got to ask God. God, who, who are you highlighting? Who are who is it that um, that you're leading? Who is it that that you're already taking a few steps down the road, or maybe they haven't started the journey, but you're the person to take them by the hand and help them start that journey? Who is that, Lord? Um, the reason why I say it's sometimes too simple, and then we just move on to it, is because I found out, and, and God bless our speaker this morning, uh, challenging us to be able to hear the voice of God. We have to hear the voice of God, guys, gals. You have, this is, this is God's bride. This is God's church. This is, this is God. And we're taking marching orders from God. We're an ambassador. My job is just to basically repeat what he tells me. That's what preaching is, is just repeating what Jesus says. Discipleship and, and serving the Lord is just doing what I see the Father do. So we, we've got to be able to, to hear his voice. And so... Taking, taking the time to check, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you these questions, is are, are we in a culture that is, is a little bit scared to say, God told me? As a, as, a, as a leader of the Assemblies of God, a former presbyter, I want to say when I'm sitting there looking at your credentials and interviewing you to be a pastor and you say, I struggle hearing the voice of God, that doesn't encourage me. <laughs> right? I know, it's, I know it's humility in some sense is I don't hear it. You know, I, I get that piece, but, but we, we've, got to, we've got to come to a place where we can confidently hear the voice of God and believe that God, it is God's heartbeat that there's at least one person this year that you can find that wants to be a little bit more like Jesus and you can nudge them along the way. There's got to be one, right? I mean, what, what, 
Maybe your spouse will, will volunteer. Maybe you can make one of your kids do it, but can't, can you find one person? I can remember um, years ago when, when we were in Newcomerstown and we started um, a, a Monday night prayer time and we kind of changed up how we did prayer. And I was asking them to be responsive in their prayer. So I was leading, I would say, we're gonna, we're gonna thank God for the next few minutes that he's about disciple making. Lift up your voices and thank God. And then, and then I would say, okay, now we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna declare that those disciples are coming and he's gonna, he's gonna bring them to us. And we'd take a few minutes and we'd listen and maybe God's laying a name on, on our heart or whatever. So I was, I was trying to inst institute that. But it was going over like a lead balloon. You know, I, I'm not comfortable, Pastor, with you telling me how to pray. I'm not really telling you how to pray. I just, you know, just, 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 just need your, your help. And I had a, a really wise mentor in my life. Do you have mentors in your life? Do you have, you have godly men and women in your life? And, and he, said, he said, just start with one. You started with too many. Start with one. And so um, he said, Brent, can't you find one person that will do it the way you want them to do it? I mean, can't you just find one person to do it that way? And um, I, I said, I think I can. And so I, I looked at a brand new convert that didn't know any better. And I said, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. And um, we, were, we were able to, to shift the culture. What, what I'm saying is, is some, sometimes we get discouraged because we don't have 25 or we don't have the crowd on Sunday morning. But remember the numbers. If we, if we get this right, all I do need is one. And the, and the challenge is just think, think what would happen in your church if 10 people made a disciple this year who were disciple makers. Ma imagine what that would do because now they're not just attenders. Now they're not just people you're having to chase down and hold their hand and everything. These are, these are movers and shakers. These are leaders because disciples lead, right? Yep. Dis disciples lead. Disciples volunteer. What do you do with a disciple? You're signing up for something. You ain't going to sit there, right? So um, ask, begin to ask God. Ask God. What God... Who is it? And then listen. Um, and then listen uh, to people. Listen to what people are saying. Observe people. Reflect on what God is saying, what you're seeing in people, what you're hearing. If you take enough time, I'm sure that God is going to give you several, several people that, um, that, that come to mind that you say, hey, this is, these, these are folks that can fill in the blank, be a disciple, be an upcoming leader, um, be a ministry worker. And that process is in a, in a diagram in your notes um, that just starts in a circle and you can really start anywhere you want. It's, it's so simple, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but um, it, it really is that process of asking God, listening to God, listening to people, observing people, and then, and then reflecting uh, upon what you're, you're hearing. And seeing so we identify you got your list now at least you have one maybe you only have one maybe you don't hear from God very well and you only got one <laughs> and so so that's the only person that you have on your list how many of you know just because they're on the list doesn't mean they're going to be on board right and so what what do you say what do you say Um, this is where that divine urgency and the motivation of heaven has to be percolating in your heart. And I think you need to take some time to think about what the ask sounds like. I can remember somebody modeling that for me, and they said, they said I, I, I see the activity of God in your life, and I want to invest in that so that you can become who God's calling you to be. I, I would love to take some time just to talk to you about where you're going and where God's taking you. And I want to offer an opportunity to invest in you. I'd love to invest in you. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
I'm going to challenge you at the same time. If I invest in you, I want you to put your hands to work in this church for me. I need you to help me because my call is to make this church better. And so that there, there's, the cha- there's the invitation of I want to invest in you. We acknowledge that we, we see at, you know, um, the activity of God in their lives. We, we affirm that. Somebody says, well, what if they go, what are you talking about? Just say, you know, I really was praying. Um, are you sure? Are you sure we're not on the same page? I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. I don't know what you're talking about, Brett. Um, you sure we're on the same page? So humor me then. I may have got this completely wrong, and, and if that, that's okay because I don't always get it right, but would you at least pray about it? We'll have a conversation. You can come back to me and say, hey, nada. Uh-uh. We ain't going any further with this. That's cool. But I really do think God's doing something. I just want you to consider it for a moment. Um, I have found having tools, understanding the urgency, taking time in prayer to get it in your heart so when you say it, it comes out more than a speech. There's passion in it. And then knowing that they're, what are you going to ask them to do? I'm going to invite you into um, a relationship so I can invest in your life and I need you to invest in me or invest in what I'm doing. So that may be one way one form, certainly, um, you all are probably better at this than I am, um, but that would, might be one way for you um, to word that. Um, the, the scripture shows us that there's a pattern that Jesus invites people to come, and then he says, come, follow me. There's a growing time, and then there's, and I'm going to send you out. And, and I really do think challenging people to do that early on in their relationship when they're, uh, I, I, I just not afraid to challenge them. Look, God wants to do something in you and through you, and I believe God can use you. Um, and so um, motivating disciples and leaders towards God's urgency and God's destiny for them Um, challenging them to become like Jesus, to do what Jesus is doing, helping them and helping you because I've grown more investing in people um, because I've got to stay ahead of them. And so as I'm investing and we're, we're in this discipleship process, the character of Jesus is critical. I've, I've got to see the character of Jesus continuing to um, grow in me, and I've got to see the character of Jesus um, grow in that person along with the competency of Jesus. There's a being and there's a doing. There's who they are and what they do. And I don't think you have to have one or the other in any certain order because some some people are doers. If if they're doers and you don't put them to work, they're (laughs) going to be out the door. but I've, I have become a better person doing some things sometimes. And I've also had to stop doing some things or, or change the direction that I was going because I needed to, my character needed to be adjusted. And when my character was adjusted, um, my doing followed. So take the time to ask the Lord who. Take the time to think through what it might look like to ask them to serve. Um, and and it's, it's, gotta, it's gotta be in your heart. You got, you got it there. The, I, I don't know if you sense the sincerity in, I was hoping maybe I would be able to recruit some of you, um, but that sincerity is critical in that ask um, so that they, they walk away knowing that hey, God is God is doing something, um, and and this individual wants to invest in me to help me become more like Christ and give me an opportunity to make a difference. Um, that really works both for dis- disciples, <coughs> disciple makers, and what you're trying to develop a leader. 
Um, I, I think as I'm looking at Ohio for Jesus, we are, we're starting in different places. Some, some, we have some people who are disciple makers already, and then there's some people who are just disciples, right? And then we've got some people who are leaders, but they're not developing leaders. And so I'm looking at how do I not only call new people along, but help those disciples become disciple makers and help those leaders become people who can develop leaders. What's that, you know, what, what does that look like? Um, and, I, and I think, again, it's, it's that invitation to there's more. Is God, God's doing something in your life, and he wants to multiply that and reproduce that through you. Don't you want God to reproduce that? Um, also think making sure that you know what you're calling them to do. If it's, if it's a specific leadership position, then you need, you need to know what you're asking. They need to know what they're getting into as much as possible. Give them, uh, define what, what the ask is. Um, and don't be afraid to set the challenge appropriately. Don't be afraid to invite them, but challenge them at the same time. If you want them to pray and they're going to be on your staff, then tell them up front. Expect you to pray. <laughs> I mean, we're going to pray. We're going to pray together. Um, whatever those whatever those things are, because you you want to make sure that they understand where they're headed and what what's going to be asked of them. Um, okay, so as we as we move from identifying and then inviting, um, and placing disciples and leaders uh, in places, we we need to look at what their calling is. Um, the only way you're going to know what their calling is is to spend some time with them. Um, I, I would like to tell you that there, there are going to be times that you're going to recruit outside of your organization. You're going to recruit other people. Um, but you always need to have a farm team. You always need to have a home team. I, I, when, when I went through my um, developing leaders from scratch um, master's <coughs> research, the thing that prompted me to do it was because I was afraid that the world does a better job developing leaders than the church does. And that we were, we were gleaning from people who had been developed as leaders outside of us and then trying to help them use their leadership in, in the church. And there's, listen, there's not, I'm not saying that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Praise God. And God wants to redeem all of that and use that. So, but I'm just saying, I w- rarely was seeing leadership coming up from the from the ranks, um, disciples coming up from the ranks, and and we we've got to make sure that our culture is is about developing leaders and about um, raising up disciples. I think that we should own it personally that the people that go to our church should should be some of the sharpest people in town, because what we're what we offer we can't. We can't make people be disciples. We can't make people be leaders. But the people that want to be, they, they ought, their lives should be blessed by being a part. Look, they, they come how many weeks a year? I mean, add up those hours. I want, I want their life to be better because they've hung out with us. I want their children to be better because their children have come. And so um, that, that, goes, that goes to some of the the urgency, so um, recognizing their calling requires us to spend some time with them, um, identifying their passion, because again, we're looking at where we're gonna put them, understanding their character. Is everybody, there's, there's, there's certain places that I can put somebody um, that may not have their character completely developed yet. And then there's some places I can't. Um, but to recognize that that's part of what we've got to do is if they're willing, how do, we, how do we invest in them so that they can grow in character and competencies? Um, so look at their competencies. What are, they, what are they good at? Do they have a commitment? Um, 
oftentimes because I'm thinking through um, the, the smaller church at recruiting, discipling, raising up leaders. Some of the things that I find that larger churches have already done, they have systems for everything. <coughs> and it's, it's important that there are entry level places that people can serve and get involved in. And if somebody wants wants to help, what do you what do you say? How how can I how can I help? Um, have you thought that through? And if you're not a pastor in the ministry environment that you're in, do you know enough about what you're involved in or what the church is doing that you can send them to the right people to say, why don't you check with so and so? Why don't you why don't have you have you considered this? This is a way that you can help. This is a way you can get involved. So making sure that you do have some direction ahead of time is good. Coming up with a list of what, what those entry-level things are. Um, and then I want to wrap up my the basic of my conversation, and we'll do some questions and answers. Um, I really think it's important to recognize that discipleship has to has to happen in a in a certain environment. Um, it, it needs to happen in a growing and a nurturing environment. I would say that some of the words that I would use for what that environment looks like is it needs to be a smaller group rather than a large group. S small groups let you get to know the person, give you the opportunity to um, to see, see their character, to see their competencies, to invest in them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that's why um, it's critical that we begin to shift the entire culture because we, if we're not careful, we will try to disciple people um, from the crowd. We'll try to disciple people from <coughs> Sunday morning. And there's a certain amount of things we can do on Sunday morning to disciple people. Um, but if my job was to be a disciple maker and I had to choose as to whether or not I would do it from the pulpit on Sunday morning or do it in a small group, I would do it in a small group. Um, because doing it from in a crowd setting is very difficult. Um, so, so we've got we've got to we got to value um, those smaller settings. We have to value um, creating an, an intentional invitational environment where come come join us we're going to do life together that's something you hear Kai Alpha say a lot we're going to do life together but we're not just hanging out we want to become the best Jesus we can be and so um, it's invitational it's relational it's teachable it's accountable accountable and growing and challenging um, I think that having specific um, growth goals for your disciples are critical. They need to be thought through. What, what's, the, what's the next step? Sometimes that can be um, organic, you know, but I do think there's an intentionality of what, what's the next step for that person? What, what's, the, what's, the, what's the intentionality of helping them with that character issue? What's, what are we trying to work on as far as their competency? They've got to get better at this. Um, competency oftentimes doesn't improve unless they have an immersive environment. They've got to do it. You can't learn to do something if you don't do it. And so small groups are great for that. You may, they're not, may not be ready for Sunday morning, okay? But in a small group, they, they, can, they can teach something. They can pray. They can pray for somebody. They, they, can, they, they can lead something. And it takes the risk away, and it also gives you um, a, a way to be able to, to see um, what they're doing. But that requires me now as a lead pastor and you know, a leader in the assemblies of God as, as a former presbyter, but I, I got to give stuff up. 
I can't do it all. And, and, and there's times that I do it better than they do it, right? Come on, you old guys, right? <laughs> but the goal isn't that it gets done excellent all the time. The goal is that we make disciples. And so there's things we have to give away, but, but as we're giving them away, they're accountable to us, right? We've got to create those. We need to do it well. We need to, we need to grow. There's evaluation. Um, but we've got to be intentional in that and invite people into a relationship where they know we're going to talk about where they're at, where they're headed, where they need to be. Um, the goal is that we say it, do it, live it like Jesus. So lastly, as we talked we talk about the environment, I want to take the four, there's actually three key result areas, but I made them four, for Ohio for Jesus in, in church health. And they, they are, the overarching one is disciple making. Um, so I added that to the end. But they're, people should be, be saved, spirit baptized. Um, they, sh they should be able to share and invite. And they should be a disciple maker. So those are the key result areas that Ohio for Jesus has given us to look at when we're looking um, at, at the process of disciples. So as I'm inviting people into a discipleship group relationship, um, I'm looking for, are they first of all saved and then are they all in? How many of you know that you can be more all in in the next few minutes than you were yesterday? Okay, so that, that is across the board. We want to create a culture where um, not only are we calling people to salvation, but we are constantly saying, King, we want, we want more of you. Um, so it, that looks like personally, I need to be saved. I need to be all in. But it also looks like I need to be able to help somebody else be all in. And I also help, need to help someone else come to Christ. So it's about me first and then others second. Because what's the goal? The goal is, is, to, is to not just create a disciple, but create somebody that can help somebody else do this, right? So in the, in the group, think, think through that. We're going we're gonna to sp spend some time making sure through, through content, through the, the information we're sharing, through um, an altar call in the group, um, a, um, hey, this group, Sunday morning, um, pastor gives the altar call, we're all going up. We're all, whether we're, not, we're all going up and giving our hearts to Christ fresh and new. We're going we're gonna to see somebody else that needs to come. We're going we're gonna to grab them and, and do that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to not only be sure we're all in, but we're going to develop an immersive culture that allows people to be a part of people surrendering their life to Christ. And, and, and that has to be intentional. We have to figure out how we, how we do that so that they get a lot of experience. They need to do that hundreds of times to be really good at it. Just like you need to teach a class a hundred times to be really good at it. Um, you, it's repetitive. How do we help people learn to do that? Jump down to spirit baptism. What's it look like for us to be spirit baptized and filled more with the spirit? We need more immersive time in that. Small groups are great for that. Small groups are great for, for spending the time that you can't spend uh, maybe on a, on a weekend service, but you can spend that time with them helping them to receive more of Christ, get the junk out of them, be, become more committed to Christ, walk them through the obstacles of spirit baptism, walk them through the, you know, the elephant in the room, speaking in tongues and, and all those things, help them in that, and then do that in a context that other people see you do that. So that it's an immersive thing that by the time year end is you not only have a disciple, but you have a person who can lead people to a deeper relationship with Christ through surrender, through, through helping people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What if we were intentional about raising up people that could do that in our churches? How many, how many of us would love that? 
That's what discipleship naturally does. Um, because the expectation is, is you're not just going to watch me do it, you're going to do it. Um, sharing, sharing and inviting. A lot of our churches are full of people who are s- scared. They're just literally scared to share their faith, and um, they're scared to invite somebody. we got people who are scared to death to get on the phone and call people. Um, we also have people who have no issue with that. But what does it look like in, in an, a safe environment to help people make those steps so that they can learn to share their story? This is what God's done in my life. To legitimately come to grips that I have a God story. I have a gospel story. And it's important and it's critical. And, and people's lives can be changed. Who do they, who do they tell that to? Um, usually the introvert's not going to tell the Walmart shopper that. But they might, you might coax it out of them in a small group. But they need to do it a lot. They need to know that not only do I have a I come to Jesus story, but that I, have a, I came back to Jesus story, and I have a healing story, and I have a finance story, and I have a dad story, and I have a, a bad husband story, and I have, you know, have all these stories about how God touched my life. What if our people, what if we were intentional about equipping people to have toolbox full of their their stories and then be immersed in an environment where we're not just sending them out with the Roman roadmap but we're supporting them in in sharing the faith sharing um, uh, just you know one of that one of the other classes I'm teaching is is on spiritual gifts, supernatural mentoring. I, uh, we've entitled it, but it's really about helping people use their spiritual gifts. But in a small group, um, what what if one of the ways we did that was uh, we asked God to direct us to people. We asked God to give us a word for a person. Or we anoint God, ask God to anoint us in, in some of the gifts of healing or miracles or whatever. What if that was something that people were comfortable with too not only you have your story you you but but we have the gifts of the spirit um are we equipping and training people to do that so when when i looked at ohio for jesus and i look at what i'm asked teaching this i have come to the conclusion this is going to require a cultural shift and and a whole lot of intentional change in the way we approach things and I think you have to do both. I, I, at this point, I think Pastor Amy would let you know that we're, we haven't dismissed Sunday mornings. I'm still preaching on Sunday morning. We still have church. But alongside of that, we're building discipleship. We, we've, we've got to do that because it's just going to help us. If we're going we're gonna to plant five churches in the next 10 years, i got to have disciples because churches without people are stupid. Right, because when 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 I said to the group the first time we're going to plant five churches, they're like, "That's just what Marion needs—another church." <laughs> right? No, we're gonna we're gonna have so many disciples that we have to find them a place to go. That's the goal. It's the it's trying it's trying to go that way. We um, so. Anyways, I've I've talked a lot. I will I will take a breath because we've got about fifteen minutes. Questions, comments, observations, some things that you've heard, um, questions you might have, um, things you wish you heard. Yes, sir. How do you create a Sunday morning service that propels discipleship instead of attracts it? Um, it sounds like you know, we haven't thrown away Sunday morning yet. Well, what kind of changes have you done in order to make it so that it's actually supporting the vision that you set forth to do? Well, one of the systematic changes we've made is look these last four things here so we're preaching sermon series on being saved and all in and we're trying we're trying to let our people know this is a great couple months several weeks to bring unsaved people and also for the congregation because listen not everybody in my church is saved and, and a lot of them aren't all in either so we, we want to give them opportunity to come. Maybe they're all saved and all in in your church, but 
Um, we we want to give them opportunities. So so the sermon series, and then alongside of that, make sure that um, God God's been so good. I've got I'm blessed with such a great leadership team. But in our ministries, in our children's and ministries, we're looking at um, the adults are having a water baptism celebration as we're as we're headed out of that sermon series. The discipleship is aimed at being all in, the classes we're offering, um, growth nights and things like that. But the children's ministries are, are tracking along too. And they just had a, a, a salvation initiative. I'm not sure what they call it. That's not what they called it for the kids. It was a lot uh, more attractive than that. But um, the folks that are doing our children's ministry, they had five kids give their lives to Jesus just because it was a, a party and it was, it was focused. So I use the pulpit to, um, and I, I like what you said, to help us disciple rather than to sidetrack us. So I'm, look, I'm looking at Sunday mornings and ministries as helping us become disciple makers instead of it doing itself and, and feeling like it's in, in conflict. Um, so we have entry-level things then. We've got discipleship groups that right now is really a leadership group, um, and it's, we're at a research stage, really, to figure out what it's going to look like for our church. Um, but we're also, once a month, we're having a, a Sunday night where we're teaching strategically on some of the things that are being preached about during that sermon series. So we just came out of a season where we um, had the Saved All In sermon series, and then we had a class on making sure you're all in. Um, and then, so that brings them from the big group setting to a one-time opportunity where then we can begin to say, okay, th they may be the next person that can be discipled. So that's the, the gen general structure right now that, that we're seeing, Bob. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think at this point, um, it isn't a discipleship recruiting service. It's, it's about salvation, inviting people to salvation and being all in. Um, but recognizing that the, the because we, we've got a model that's not discipleship driven. So I am making sure that within that service, then, our disciples are encouraging, I shouldn't say spanking them, but encouraging them um, to take those opportunities to, to um, reach out to somebody, um, looking, looking, looking for opportunities to, to add somebody <coughs> as, a, as a disciple. So it's, it's, it's both. Um, I don't usually, I would, I would discourage, this is my personal preference, this, this is where I'm at, I don't think I would try to recruit somebody to be in my discipleship group from the pulpit. I want a one-on-one -on -one with them. And so it's just supporting with, with the themes. Yes? Good, good. Anybody want to help with that? I've got some, but what, what are some entry? What are some things that somebody can do? Tech. Good. Okay, good. And you, activities team, you mean? There you go. Yeah. I think I think when you're when you're involving people in children and youth ministries, you always want to do background checks. So you just kind of make that one of the things you do. So when you you go through, you ask different 
Yeah, I would use another word. I think it needs to be intentional. So uh, remember, immersive disciple-making happens because it's being done. And so it is going to take time. It's going to take relationships. So, um, you know, I, I would say look, look for your best ones. Look for the ones you can get um, the most advancement of the kingdom of heaven to accomplish the greatest amount of good. That's what love is is accomplishing the greatest amount of good. So you may want to look at your list and find the ones that are going to help advance the kingdom and the cause of Christ, the greatest at that point, because you don't have unlimited resources. So you want to ask God. And it may be just an ask. You may not know for sure, but ask the Lord specifically, who of these five, four people you want me to invest in? Then I think the intentionality of it is sit down with them face-to-face, make I think just finding out what their story is first. Um, speak into their life. You see the you see the activity of God in their life. Tell them, pastor them. Say, I see this in you. What do you see? What's God saying to you? Um, and then I think that needs to be, the meetings need to be intentional and frequent. You know, a couple, at least twice, I would say twice a month. Um, and, and then from there, you're ha- you got your list of things. What Now I know who this person is, and, and what, how can they help? How can I help them, and how can they help the church? And so you may, um, you may have three or four things you want them to do. Um, and it's, it's a matter of what are they prepared to do, what do you need to disciple them to. And I also recognize that it's not just me. I've, I've got other people. That can help me. Do you have like a mindset going in? Like, I'm going to spend, if I'm going to spend a year really pouring into this guy, and at the end of the year, I expect this guy to disciple me. And maybe our meetings aren't twice a month, maybe it goes down to once every other month on a one on one level. Do you, do you have a structure like that, or is it a lot? It's, it's organic and moving towards systematic. So when we launch our discipleship groups, it will be very much like you said. There'll be a beginning time and an ending time. There'll be, there'll be four things. We want them to be saved and all in. We want them to be spirit baptized. We want them to be able to share and invite. We want them to begin to be able to help somebody else do those three things. So the intentionality of that group is that in six months, eight months, a year, as we're tracking with them, where are they at with that? Because the intentionality is, is at least from our game plan, is one, if I make one disciple a year, disciple maker a year, that's going to help me. So, right, to be honest with you, Amy, I mean, it's kind of, it's just kind of out there right now. We're doing it behind the scenes, but um, we're headed quickly to make it more systemic. Yeah, remember, year one, one plus one. <laughs> Nobody's going to get excited that we have two people at the end of 2020. But I, I keep telling my team, if we get this, even if we have two disciple makers by the end of 2020, that's the foundation. If we can make this work, if we can feel how to do this, we're headed somewhere. Yeah. And I, I appreciate your, your questions, and, and I'll answer as many of them as, as you have. Um, I'm finding, though, that some of the questions are not about the recruit. It's about what do you do after you get them, right? So maybe you have some questions about that, too, like Steve asked. What else do you have? Bob, was I clear enough? Was that helpful? What else do you need? Yeah. 
And I think I think if you're in a culture that you're trying to change, is you've got you've got to change, you've got to change the few, and infuse them in. And and I don't know that I have all those answers, but I know I'll get them once we have 15, 20, because they're going to infect Sunday morning very differently. It's huge. Cultural shift because we, the American church culture is consumerism. We'll, we'll get to me. <laughs> um, and, it, and that's not biblical. And somehow we have allowed that to occur. And, and now we are trying to say, no, this is, this is surrendering yourself and, and sacrificing and, and looking into building God's kingdom and to be, you know. And, and so it is changing that. And so <coughs> we have found. And I think some of the answers to that is that is that when you when you begin to know you got to make the shift, you can start looking at Sunday morning, because some people might say we well, just throw Sunday morning out the way we do it, but it's our culture. It's it's how people come. It's it's mostly how people interact with us in a lot of ways. So how do we how do we utilize that to the best of our ability? So some of it's not clear, but I really do believe that once you start with those th that smaller group, it will force you to think through what does Sunday look like. So, I wish I could say I've already been there and done it, but I was just supposed to talk about recruiting somebody. <laughs> yeah, somebody else. Yeah. What's your first the fisherman, What's your first name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. That's that's good. Um, finding the person of peace. Um, that's something that Mike Breen talks about. If you're familiar with Mike Breen's discipleship stuff, is if if you can understand that, especially when you're starting and you're trying to help people evangelize and disi make disciples, <coughs> is is we we've got to. We've got to help them get started with people that 
are easier. And sometimes we, we want to throw them out in these horrible experiences where they're told no 52 times. And they're, they're like, no, I'm never going back to do that. So what, what you just described is find a person, find someone that likes you. Find somebody that you have an affinity with. Find someone that will say yes to you, follow, that will pray with you, you know, um, that will listen to you. Um, so I, I think just having that conversation is, is helpful. But good, good, good. If you, if you want to feel guilty, hang around Chi Alpha people. Because <laughs> they're it's relational, man. I, ever, I was just in Kenji's class, and I'm like, I shouldn't even be talking about this. <laughs> um, just importance, important that building relationships with people. And, and if you can't do it like someone else, do it like you can do it. You know? I, I'm not, I'm not a, a strong extrovert. I usually make a better impression um, once you get to know me. So I send out all the attractive people out front, and then I come along beside and, and, and rescue them. Um, you know, but, but I think once you get to know me, um, I, I'm very comfortable in that setting. And so I think my strength, I know my strength is, is looking for the persons of peace and the, the ones that are all in. I want to invest in them. And, and some of them are going to be better evangelists than I'll ever be. Some of them are going to be better disciple makers than I'll be. But I'm, I'm still trying to do what I can do with the equipment I got. <laughs> right? And it's okay. It's okay.